This episode of the Last King Podcast is brought to you by Futility. Futility, when you need to just surrender to the killer at the end of the movie and just not give a fuck. Lasking Studios. We're totally live. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> or, I'm Mr. Tafia and you're Mr. Shafiq, obviously. Hello, everybody. And it's been an amazing Halloween weekend. Yep. Hope you all had fun trick-or-treating, going out in costume, putting on your best cosplay. Uh, I don't know. What, what's the, what's the, what, what, how many Harlequins did we see this weekend? Oh, just too many <laughs> to count, right? Way too many. This Suicide Squad movie, as terrible as... As, as unsuccessful? Was. was it unsuccessful? No, I think it did some numbers. Yeah, uh, I mean, it is a huge influence. And, you know, we could see a Margot Robbie, Robbie movie coming up soon. No, I think it's going to really happen, right? Oh. They are going to do a Harlequin spin-off. Oh, damn, just damn. based on the... I don't even say on her character or on her acting ability. Just the look. Just the look, right? Because, yeah, it's, it's a thing that just... I don't know. I'm thinking like Margot Robbie's uh, Harlequin costume is like the Boba Fett of this generation. Oh, yeah. Like, doesn't do much. For looks, good looks really cool. <laughs> so it's going to be a thing for a while. All right, Shafiq, before we start off with a lot of this, what we got planned, I just want to talk about this one place I checked out uh, uh, over the past weekend or so. It's oh, called, please do tell. Yep. It's called Game.Asia. It's actually in Singapore, Marine's, Marina Square. Okay. Marine Square. Marina Square. Marina Square. Marina Square. Marina yeah. Square. And uh, yeah, it's actually a, a concept store and a place where all esports gamers can actually go and check out and play the games and get training and whatnot. Oh. So it's not a lunch shop per se, mm. as much as uh, the, the, the guy who actually started, uh, Jeffrey Poir, he started off a Game Pro. Shout the game out Pro to shops. Jeffrey Poir. Yep, the Game Pro shops earlier on. He did this concept store because he kind of wanted to support the esports scene. Like with the Overwatch players coming in, the StarCraft guys, Team Ice 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 and all that coming in. All our Dota guys, yeah, all the, Dota the League guys. of Legends kids. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So he wants to do something a bit more unique, which is why he had this one space for esports gamers to play. So it's, um, imagine bringing your own laptop or your own uh, computer piece, mm-hmm. piece thing with the chairs all your provided, rig and all that, the table, yeah. your own rig. And you just have the fun with your, with your friends and whatnot, or just practice, like hardcore practice. Oh, so it's kind of like a rental space for esports gamers? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um, I believe the membership is 119 per year. It sounds quite reasonable, actually. I think it's about that's... 10 years, 10, $10 per month. Yeah, $10, $12 a month. Yeah. I mean, you get a space, you get all these facilities. I mean, you also have a nice uh, singular location for you and your crew to come and like get together and like, you know... Uh, not have to deal with like online lag and all sorts of things, right? Yeah, because it's your computer and your setup. The internet and the tables are provided free. That's so cool. And I the mean, chairs and whatnot, of course. I mean, uh, where in Marina Square is this exactly? Uh, this is on the second floor. Um, if you go all the way to where the tech hub is right now, oh, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. kind of forming into the next Funan, apparently. Yeah, I give me that vibe, you know. Okay, for all of you uh, Americans or people outside of Singapore, you know, Funan Center is a really big deal to us here over in Singapore. It is like our, I would say, it's like our Akihabara, in a sense, without the porn. Yeah, it's, 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 it's my Laoya Plaza, but the, the porn is still there, so yeah. Oh man, shoutouts to Malaysia. <laughs> but okay, uh, yeah, so 
how do we find out more about Game Asia? I believe you can go to your Facebook page. Oh. Uh, game. Okay. G A M three dot A S I A. So I think they're keeping it lead. Right? Oh, so lead. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and just outside of the actual rental space uh, concept place, there's actually like different uh, publishers and uh, peripheral brands who are actually showcasing your wares, like Logitech and mm. Razer. They actually have like a concept store outside. So whenever you go inside, if you want to buy a rig or oh, buy a laptop cool. or peripheral from them, you have like some you have experts coming up and telling you, hey, you want to try this out for like. 30 minutes or one hour or so and then if you like it yeah buy it so they're not like those typical guys who just tell you stuff and then they don't give a f- they don't give a fuck all after they're gone <laughs> they'll be like okay if something's wrong yeah just come back to the place you know they have that sort of concept vibe thing going on like um yeah like the alienware uh, place they had in um wow i totally forgot but the closest i'm thinking of is basically like the apple concept place mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. you go there you get your macbook or your ipod replaced or repaired so i mean if you can't like lug your own rig down you can just build something on the spot maybe yeah you can almost. just get something on the spot yeah, uh, yeah. i think asus is there too msi as well oh shout out to asus yeah mm. and a couple of others i can't, can't okay i mean there's m1 i mean the guys who are providing the internets mm-hmm. the cable and whatnot um, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, so this store is out now. It seems promising so far. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's not a land shop. I mean, they even uh, the guy told me, Jeffrey told me that yeah, this is not a land shop per se because you still got to bring your rig. It's so a it's concept store. Concept store and a esports rental training space. I see a lot of potential for a place like this, especially when it comes to the. I mean, I'm really feeling that this generation with the esports scene, with games like Overwatch, games like. I mean, Dota is still pulling like strong numbers. Oh, League of Legends is still around. It's like seven years old, man, right now. And it's like, I mean, it's kind of nice. I mean, I, I look at it like a skate park, you know, like, where, where kids can just find a place to come down, bring their rigs, you know, hang out with their homies and then just, you know, play games and have fun and just interact and create maybe a small community or scene within a, a space that is, you know, pretty much central to like our country. Yeah, you can't go, you can't get as, as central as, as Marina Parade. <laughs> uh, Marina Parade, yeah. I'm sorry, <laughs> Marina Square, I keep thinking Parade, I don't know why I keep hearing these names. Uh, there's Marine this. Parade, Marina Square, okay, Marina Millennial Square. Walk. That's super central, yes. Yes, exactly. So, okay, shout outs to uh, Jeffrey and all he's doing at Game Asia. So, Go check out their Facebook, yeah. uh, which is Game with a Three yeah. Asia. Right, just look for that, huh? Yeah. And yeah, now back to our regular scheduled programming. Oh. So, because we've talked a lot about horror films in the last episode, I believe we got a bit of like pretty good some some pretty good feedback. As I mean, uh, what I heard. I mean, the thing is, okay. Shout outs to everybody who decided to post feedback or Thank tweet you. back at us. You know, even just you know personal message me, right? So. There was actually quite a few complaints, but of the good kind, actually, mm. because squeezing that much content into about one and a half hours, like, okay, and the thing is, it was a, it was a pure ramble. It was right off the top of our heads. You know, we were freestyling most of the time. Oh, and this was before I had to do the edits, so it's like originally one and a half plus hours or so. Oh my, yeah, and a lot of people kind of, it's not really a complaint. They're like, oh, why didn't you talk about this and that and this? And it's like, okay, one of the things is, right, uh, a friend of mine was like mentioning, yo, I checked out the podcast and I, I like what I was hearing, but you totally, totally missed out on like Toby Hooper and his like input. Like you were talking about Jason, you're talking about Freddy, you kind of missed out on like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And then like the stuff he would do after that, like Poltergeist or even like the science fiction fair in Life Force. It's mm-hmm. like, yo, there's a, so it was decades of content we had to go through. So yeah, I think we, we, we've done like a brief, good 
good chunk of amount of clip note stuff going on. Like, we just touched a bit here and there, but you want to go really deep into it, this guy, another two hours, dude. I would say maybe for the sake of our fans and all those listening, and like, you know, yeah, we're going to give some shine to the stuff we did kind of miss out. I mean, we only talked about like, even in the sense of like something like John Carpenter's work, okay, mm-hmm. we only talked about the thing. We yeah, only talked about we, Halloween. Yeah, yeah, because it's something that was close to us in our childhoods, our personal experiences. So, like how you were talking about Ghostbusters, I was talking about Candyman, and <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it was also the thing which we both loved. Yeah, and I would say, okay, tell you what, if not next Halloween, we might do a nice special horror episode again. Okay, if it's not tied to Halloween, and we will try to at least touch back on the stuff we missed. I mean, I have whole like you know like pages of dialogue i want to talk about uh not be- i mean besides toby hooper's work you mm-hmm. know i mean do like you know uh what was it attack from mars or oh, i can't remember attack on- invaders from mars right mm, no no i don't quite remember that invasion of body snatchers yeah I, exactly i want to talk about invasion of body or snatchers. even the george or romero george or romero stuff i also totally missed out on like you know what i was re- uh one of my favorite genres which is the italian giallo you know mm. which is like movies like suspiria like tenebris stuff like done by lucio fulci like phenomenal dario argento well too, right yes yeah. you know like there's a whole there's layers upon layers of horror I mean dude I mean we totally missed out on the chance of like shitting on Rob Zombie movies <laughs> okay granted okay, I, d- okay, I, I did like, like Devil Zone. Devil's, Devil's right. Rejects Devil's Rejects I love Devil's Rejects I like the, the movie before that I actually did like The House of a Thousand Corpses even though a lot of people kind of complained that it was a bit disjointed it was a bit unfocused I mean Devil's Rejects is an amazing film oh, it is. I agree yeah. and then like how he totally like shit the bed with the Halloween remix and everything else that came after that. That one is kind of debatable. Well, I've only seen a bit of it, and I know they're trying to go for like a full-on reboot. So Jamie Lee Curtis didn't work. I I'll, I'll just say hands on. Okay, but let's save all this awesome content for maybe for another time. For another one, but you know, keeping on the Halloween on the horror trip. Okay, what we kind of hinted at at the last episode is that we we're going to be talking about horror games. Okay? Yes, games! This is the last king, you know. We're all video game centric here, okay? It's our number one topic of choice. And I don't know, man. Like, the history of horror video games, where do we even start? Yeah, we don't have to recap all the history because there are other shows that do this. We're just going to talk about our favorite ones, the ones that stuck out to us. Okay. I'm going to go with the first one Alone in the Dark. Part You're a one, fan? part two, and part three. Hey, yes. The, the classic ones. Yes, the classic Not ones. Not the remake. Oh, the one of... I, I don't think... Okay, I'm in this universe where I pretend the remakes don't exist. Oh, so, man. what remake? Uh... What, what remake starring Keanu Reeves rejects? <laughs> what, 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 what game where you actually had to blink your eyes for tear ducts and shit? I mean... I don't remember... I don't think those games existed. So, anyway... Back to the first Alone in the Dark, where everything was all polygonal. This was actually done by Infograms, I believe. Yeah, yeah I think it was Infograms. All these guys, uh, this one guy, uh, Reyes, Reynard, I believe his surname. Um, this was actually one project he did in 3D. This was like in the 90s, like where 3D wasn't even commonplace at all. No, it's coming very, up. Very, very basic. Like no, there was no such thing as garage shading back in the day. Not yet, yeah. Yeah, so after doing this one small little project, he showed off to Infograms the publisher was like, hey, do a horror game. And then, <laughs> sure. And then they did it. They He got influences from Lovecraftian horror and all these other horror films starring a, like a medieval horror and a few other 
shows involving like proper houses. haunted yeah. houses haunted kind of houses stuff. places uh, ha- uh, movies where they focus more on dread not so much jump scares mm. and so enter uh, the first alone in the dark so when I played this game I just got murdered really quick <laughs> because walking slowly you see a frog getting focused like, okay cool that's some cool tech you know mm. and it was a bitch to install by the way but anyway it was like time, 17 yes. CDs or something yeah. no, right? no no no, no. It was just, no this was so floppy this was so floppy oh god damn um, you got the floppy edition <laughs> I only got the CD ones on third the, the, I only started I think the third game was on CD mm. but the other two were all disc yeah, I'm yeah. sorry uh, floppies floppies classics yeah so going into this game I didn't know what the hell I was playing but I was just enamored by the fact that Edward Carnby has the most sweetest looking mustache ever. <laughs> the most sweetest polygonal mustache. Like, between Edward and uh, Emily, I was like, hmm, guy mustache or regular regular detective girl? Guy the mustache. Go for him. Yeah, shout-outs to polygons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Back and in the just day. looking at this close-up of his face when he's walking up the stairs, it's just, whoa, this is breakthrough shit, man. Okay, and so... then I got murdered by a zombie coming out from the floor. <laughs> and that this... happens a lot, yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah. It, and then there's actually some chicken, I think. Okay, it was actually some sort of like armless, limbless monster coming at you oh, through yeah. the window. Yeah. God damn, so that yeah. was like your first technical jump scare for a game like that before I knew the concept of jump scares in video games. I would still... No, wait. Which came out first? This or Resident Evil 2? Oh, no, no. Resident Evil 2 was later. This is like early 90s, dude. This is early 90s, Super right? basic Resident polygon. Evil wasn't even out yet. It right? wasn't even out, dude. Hmm, this yeah. was before the Jap- Japanese guys took over horror. Now, coming back to Alone in the Dark. Now, you see, these, these monsters can actually be blocked and prevented by actually reading the story bits at the start of the game. So before you actually enter that room, yes, you can actually prevent this shit from happening if you fucking pay attention. And that's what I like about this game. Like, it's super short. You only, you'll die mostly through trial and error. This is why it adds to the playtime. But what I loved about Alone in the Dark, the first one was detail. It was like, okay, the lore kept you alive. Yeah, actually. the lore kept me alive. And the controls were... I mean, they're obviously tanky. You go left and Dude, right. Dude, I have nothing but major complaints right. about how you turn controls like that just didn't age well at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, they don't age well. <laughs> but they added to the intensity, especially when they're getting chased by said limbless chicken zombie. <laughs> it looked like a chicken. I mean, but it probably looked menacing. Dude, it was, it was fully detailed. proper terrifying back in the day, okay, yeah, on yeah. your 640. And by, you got like an earthworm chasing you down in a maze. You've got merman popping up. Oh, it was cool Cthulhu stuff. And then you just walked in, you, open, you, you read something and you die. That's, that's, <laughs> that's how cheap, yet at the same time, horrifying this game can get. Because anything around that mansion can kill you. I mean, like, when was the last time you played this game, man? Oh, I- and when's the last time you've seen a game with a very horrifying game over screen? I would still say the best game over screen that was horrifying, hands down, all time, is still 7 Guess. Okay, 7 Guess, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this one was the very first pioneers of ska- scarable, terrible, hor- <laughs> horrifying, yeah, horrifying uh, game over screens. Once you die and you're on the altar, holy shit, that's an image of a bunch of dudes going, demon ghosts and demon eyes popping out of the house. It was so cool. I mean, yeah. that was cool, but back then it was fucking scary, yo. I mean, whoa, yeah. We mentioned Alone in the Dark. Of course, you played the sequels. Oh, yes, yes. Now, seven months after Alone <laughs> Dark came out, they had to shit out a Alone <laughs> Dark sequel. And it showed. Like, the second game was basically a zombie pirate murder simulator. So it went from dread horror, Cthulhu horror, to an action game with the shittiest controls ever. So, how do you start? Okay, 
the Alone in the Dark has this really cool uh, shot where you enter the room, you enter the mansion for the first time, you see like an out of window shot and you see Edward Carnby walking down. So Rocking you, the moustache still, huh? No, 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 yeah. I mean, you can't <laughs> see the moustache, you see a tiny little dude from, from a window. So you get the, from the window perspective view, which shows that, okay, there's actually an outer force staring at Carnby, you know, keeping watch, keeping tabs over him. So Alone in the Dark 1 did it well. Alone in the Dark 2 had that really cool shot, with the, especially with the pirate's with the pirate's uh, hand, I believe. Mm, yeah, I remember. And then the third one was a cowboy, was undead cowboy's hand too. After Edward Kambi goes through explosion, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Second game, once you get through that scene, you're just, you just have a gun and you're blasting zombies left and right. It's, mm, it became an action game. It became an action game with, again, shitty controls. It's fun. Yeah, but it still had the tank controls, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. So imagine playing that and then you're getting waylaid by enemies front, left and center. Mm. You're going to be replaying this game a lot, but not for the best reasons possible. You're always going in, and then there are some puzzle bits where you got to push a block and then block some dudes, and then Santa Claus comes in a chimney and starts gunning you down. Yeah, I, I think it was like, probably the sequel onwards where it just got a little bit goofy, a bit silly. <laughs> the, the silliness, I think, is a French thing. Like, I noticed mm. even in the Dark, I mean, the chicken limbless zombie thing was a precursor. Mm. Then you see part two, Santa Claus, pirates... And then you play a little girl in one segment, where basically, after Edward Carnby got captured because of voodoo mumbo-jumbo, mm. you had got to control a little girl to actually make him escape. So, she can't attack, obviously, so she had to sneak around. Um, I think she bribed the parrot crackers, I don't quite remember. I know a parrot was involved somehow. That's to right, make man. sure it doesn't make This was back in the sense. day, yeah. But, yeah, but the showdown was cool. I mean, when you fought against a one-eyed jack, you know, the pirate fight and showdown, because your last stage is a pirate ship actually worked out pretty alright because you got a one-hit kill kind of weapon. I mean, it was probably trying to keep in ties with like that Eldritch horror HP Lovecraft kind of Oh, that was no Lovecraft stuff. It's like mafia. No? I mean, there were gangster mafia dudes, pirates, voodoo. That's it. Not so much Lovecraftian stuff. Which is why I'm happy that the third game came out. Oh. Third game was basically back The redeeming game, was. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The redeeming game. Like, I, I know seven months is a hell of a lot, little time to make a game, but holy shit. Part 2 was so out of its way, you know, to be completely different. Yeah, I mean, it was a rush job, so we can't really fault it too much. Yeah. But was it the same developers who kept going on with Part 3? Oh, no, no, no. Um, it was a different who, team, right? Yeah, it was different teams for each game. Francis Ray, Ray, Reyes, I, I'll correct his name later on. Um, yeah, after he did the first game, he wanted to get the hell away from the project. Okay. I would get away the hell away from Infograms. Uh, I wonder so, what he's doing now. Huh? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, anyway, and then the new guy, another guy came in, one of his subordinates, did Part 2 within 7 months. He also yeah. left. Well, so now we have another new guy doing part three, trying to keep it original, old school flavor. Yeah, keep and the we, franchise alive. Yeah, yeah, and we get a pretty cool uh, cowboy horror, spooky theme kind of game. So Edward Carmi has to rescue his friend Emily, who became an actress. Yeah, those are pretty some nice knockers for a pre- pre- polygonal thing. <laughs> you see, you see her, you see, you see the game, dude. I mean, the, the polygonal. Are we talking like Lara like... Croft level diamond point? Okay, okay, not not like that. But not yet. It's 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 uh, it's there. It's there. You know, you see shades of that coming in. So before Lara, I believe Emily was there. Man, if only jiggle physics existed there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So back to that. Like now, you got the puzzle elements thing going on, but they're really obtuse. But I believe this is part and parcel of the survival horror kind of game. Yeah, I mean, I think around this time, like, the Resident Evil games already came I out. I believe the... F- Even Half-Life was out already. I don't now. know if the first one came out yet. I do know that, yeah, this was close to when Resident Evil 1 is coming out, on the cusp of coming out. I'm also trying to nail, like, what was that first game that not only defined the survival horror genre, but also, like, involving stuff like puzzles and map reading and, like, inventory management. It is still Alone in the Dark. 
Because Orient Dark had inventory management. It would management. be this game, right? This yes, is the it first is this one. game, yeah. I mean, you get a lot of shit, you have to throw away stuff. When you actually drink your flask, the empty flask will still be in your backpack. You gotta throw, it counts as inventory, down. yeah, I remember You gotta that. drop that shit down, you know. So, inventory management is made easier now, thankfully. But back then, it's a, it's a skill that, you, that you're given. I mean, it added to the learn. challenge, I guess. And I, I think it was like very early attempts of like keeping things, uh, you know, quote-unquote realistic, right? Yeah, yeah. And think about this. The part three, like, they actually blended the best of both worlds. You get, you get boss fights still. But you don't actually fight through them that much you basically just need a specific weapon to kill something like there's a rich cowboy <laughs> a prospector guy you gotta kill with a golden bullet which you have to make out of stuff that you have yeah, in the back they have to craft it oh man I call this like you know the mega man tactic you mm-hmm. know you got a specific weapon for a specific boss yeah, yeah. and then there'll be these cowboy guys hunting you down like a little bit a precursor to the nemesis in Resident Evil 3 but mm. they only show up like sparingly and you only can kill them at the end of the game I so, would even say also the precursor to the Big Daddy in the Bioshock series. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, like, oh, and there's also a cool, like, you know that little kid thing I mentioned in part two? Yeah. Like, here, in part three, you kind of get gunned down, like, later in the game. But Spoilers, you by the way, boys and girls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for, for, for like a 1994, 1995 game. This game has been over 20 years, yeah. okay. So, anyway, uh, yeah, so you basically get... Your soul gets actually trapped inside a panther thanks to a alien friend you meet. Oh god, yeah, I remember you this. You are a panther in the game. <laughs> and you actually need pemmican to kind of survive too, if I recall. Basically, oh, uh, the, in white, the Indian version of, uh, of Opium. I totally f- almost forgot about it. Yeah, yeah, I remember playing was, this. It, and like, it was a damn cool sequence and had a really cool soundtrack to go with the panther. You know, like the, the very cougar kind of music. Mm. Like very... You know, it's... Like, and then you're wandering around, you access places you couldn't. And then the zombies won't even bother touching you because you're just... You're a panther. Yeah, you're a panther. And you're just wildlife. You're not Edward Carnby, you're fine. So you're wandering around as a panther trying to get your body back and stuff. It's really cool. And even the death scenes are also pretty creative too. There's this one time we had to shrink down in the mouse hole. Yeah. But if you don't get out in time, your death scene is basically your hand stuck through Coming the mouse out the mouse hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember that. cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but so, Alone in the Dark, right? I mean, it had that one reboot kind of slice, maybe. I did not touch a new nightmare. No? I heard some okay things about it, mm. but it's not the same. It's not the same goofy slash slightly scary horror that takes people to different uh, different ty- kinds of horrordom you know like yeah. you got Lovecraftian stuff you've got uh, Wild West shaman Indian shaman crazy shit you know I, I, like, I like what that's what that was the magic of Alone in the Dark like it bring you to places that were weird really kind of cartoony at sense but it was creative the new Alone in the Dark the new Nightmare it was, you it was know, it was just trying following... too hard to be modern and gritty. Yeah, That's it was my actually, problem. It was with actually it. copying what Resident Evil did when Resident Evil was actually copying Being Alone in the Dark. Dark. Yeah, so it's like <laughs> a whole circle jerk of horrordom, you know. Yeah, I mean, like, would you even like? I, I don't know your opinion. Do you think Alan Wake would be the spiritual successor, maybe? To something actually, like Alone you in know Dark? what? That is a very good point because you've got that whole uh, goofy yet surrealistic. Um, Twin Peaks kind of vibe with yeah. Alan Wake. I get that vibe. Not not exactly Twin Peaks, but that whole like wacky, you, like you can sense thing. right that the guys with who Alan did with, with Alone in the Dark. Like the the Alan Wake people were definitely inspired by the Alone in the Dark series, right? I mean, I'm I was a big fan of the games back in the day. I mean, it's like one of the earliest PC games I've played, and it's like unfortunately also one of the scariest PC games I ever mm. played. And I don't know, like looking back on it now, maybe not as terrifying as it used to be. I mean. 
the graphics, okay, let's be super honest, didn't really age that well. But, you know, I mean, it's still effective in its uh, storytelling and its ability to plot things and, and the ability to just jump out and freak you out mm. in all the weirdest moments. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, I, would, I think probably, you know what? This is also kind of like, you know, we kind of missed out on the talking about the Uwe Ball movies. Like, oh, yes. There yes. was an Alone you know, in the Dark I, film. Yes, there were, no, not <laughs> one, but two Alone in the Dark Christian films. With Christian Slater, if I'm not mistaken, right? Okay, that hats off <laughs> to the most hammiest shit we've seen until I've seen him breaking in, you know? Did you have a nightmare? My mommy says that there's nothing to be afraid of in the dark. Your mother's wrong, kid. Being afraid of the dark is what keeps most of us alive. So maybe you're thinking I'm an asshole scaring that kid for no reason. But I'm just trying to protect him. This is like basically action hero Christian Slater. D-lister action hero Christian Slater. Nah, he's a C-lister. Come on, man. Okay. He did Hedler. Hedler. Okay, fine, fine. C, C, C-lister. He did pump up the volume. Give him some love, okay? Okay, okay, yeah. I'm a fan. <laughs> I, I've seen... I, I saw this movie. I know I'm going to have to set my bar really low. And you know what? There's actually some really good overacting this going on there. This came after Blood Rain, right? No, uh, this before was before Blood Rain. Blood Rain, right. Oh, yeah, and this was actually one of his... No, he did House of the films. Dead, then he did Alone in the Dark, Yes, right? yes. Oh, he God. was on the whole horror rampage thing. I mean, would you... Getting his tax breaks all done and ready, you know, getting all his sweet money. Is he still doing shitty video game movies? No, no not anymore. He just announced his retirement a few days Sitting ago. Sitting on that fat, bullshit movie, bankrupt cash, whatever. Yeah, how, pretty much. Pretty I don't much. know what the scheme is or how he managed to find that loophole that allowed him... A tax him, loophole, tax loophole. That allowed him to... Not only continue making films, but continue to profit from the shittiness. Yeah, yeah. God and damn. as far as shitty movies go, Alone in the Dark, it's just hammy. It's like so bad is good kind of kind of watch. You know, really? Tara Reid is the love interest. She plays as much enthusiasm as wet sis stale bread. Oh man, it's shout out to Tara Reid for still trying to make a career. No, no, but she did kind of redeem herself. She ended up in the Sharknado series, right? Oh my god, yeah. I mean, from American Pie. <laughs> The down to her like you know her drug downfall when she just totally lost herself and it like oh, she kind of found her way somehow. I remember watching her in a doing little, a, she's, she's doing a C-listed thing. And right? like, I'm a scientist <laughs> or some shit like that. Yeah, right? she's a scientist. <laughs> about as What's this got to do with anything? About as convincing as Denise Richards is a scientist too. Yo, don't knock Denise Richards, <laughs> okay. okay? I I can. She is super convincing as like a hot shot like spaceship pilot. <laughs> okay. Alright. Don't you dare say shit about Denise Richards. Okay, now she survived the... Charlie Sheen, damn it. Oh, yeah, that is true, that is true. You need a lot of willpower for that. So yeah, this Alone in the Dark film, not everyone's cup of tea, but Avoid at all costs. Okay, yeah. But only you're only watching it because you want to see something funny. Mm, I mean, or you, you see, want to see Tara Reid. Yeah, that too. I mean there's a bit of overacting which I like, you know, it's like very a bit? Oh, yeah. Okay, a lot, a lot. <laughs> a lot I mean Stephen Dorf was there. I mean you can't go wrong with that guy. I mean, he was still the best Blade villain. Yeah, yes, yes. I mean, okay, so we've touched on Alone in the Dark, and then we also kind of mentioned what happened over here in the East, yep. Resident Evil. Yes, yes, that game that made people forget about Alone in the Dark. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know, I still want an Alone in the Dark reboot. Somebody has to pick up the mantle somehow. Mm, true, I mean, true. the Ellen Wake game is alright, but it could be better. That I mean, possibly... I don't know. I would imagine like the guys who did Bioshock to do Alone in the Dark. Or maybe even the guys that, who did Fear. That could work. That could work. You know, I mean, make it a shooter. Make it modern. Make it something that the kids want to play. But we should go back to Resident Evil. Like, 
For you, what's your most favorite Resident Evil? The first one, because it had full motion video. <laughs> ah, yes, yes. And, and top, top tier acting, oh, voice God. acting. The guy, the guy who played Wesker, what are you doing with your life, bro? <laughs> I, I, you, I, I hope you have a career. Are you successful? <laughs> I hope so. Dude, you stood out so much. There are only three STARS members left now. Captain Wesker, Jill, and myself. We don't know where Barry is. Chris Redfield Jill Valentine Barry Burton Rebecca Chambers Albert Wesker Resident Evil. <laughs> I think he could just milk out the money from his from the likeness because you see uh, uh, Wesker looking more and more like his Resident Evil counterpart. But like, you also have to understand, right? Like he was like some side character, like oh, he's, he's the asshole of the team, and he turned out to be the major villain by the end of the. There's been seven of these fucking games, right? One. Uh, well, counting spin-offs. There's six right now. The, okay, right, seven. There's Code Reve Veronica, Code is, Veronica. Is, is the fourth game. There's also Revelations or some shit. Uh, Revelations is like in between. I guess so, yeah, yeah. There's, there's eight, nine games already, dude. It's got, there's going to be almost ten games with a new one coming yeah. out for this generation. Harking back to its primal, so-called uh, terrifying horror roots. I mean, yeah, the game did kind of like, uh, I would say, morph from the ho survival horror, but very well into the action horror genre. Tell me your favorite bits in part one, apart from the full motion acting. Man, that camera? <laughs> Are we talking about and, the dog that came down from the window? Not just that, man. Just the fact that when you turn a corner and then they change camera angles and then you see something walking towards you and you run away, so you press like back and then the camera changes back and then you're running back for it again. Like, Yo, kids, back in the day, tank controls will fuck you up more than the zombies. Now you know how I feel when I play Alone in the Dark. Damn, Everyone right. knows how I feel when playing Wait, Alone in the Dark. Have you played the the remake or the remaster of Resident Evil? Uh, I know it's available on Steam or something. The GameCube one, right? There was that. No, but the, the more recent one where apparently they fixed all the bugs and made it a bit more HD and stuff like that. No, I don't think I touched that version. I think... Uh, I'm not... I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure there was a like a so-called... A, a masterpiece or a classic or a legendary edition where it's like we fixed everything even the camera even you know like, oh man but okay what I loved about Resident Evil right okay off the bat this was around the time when I was playing a lot of shooter games mm -hmm. so it was like you know games like Quake and Half-Life Unreal like really rocking my life then I was like okay you gotta check out Resident Evil this was a recommendation by a friend because he was like yo dude you like shooting things you like horror this might be your thing so I never heard of this game. Okay, and over here in Asia, it's called fucking Biohazard. <laughs> it was a much cooler name when you think about it. Dude, I think, what was the reason why it didn't port over in America? I mean, Resident Evil's a cool name, granted, but well, the only thing I can I think, think it's of, just localization, I guess. You think? Maybe, maybe. I That's a story for another day when we actually do research on that. <laughs> but for now, let's just talk about experiences, you know? I mean, like, for me, the very first Resident Evil, the one thing that always got me was like, fucking, I only got... Six bullets! <laughs> Overall, six oh, bullets. And the thing is, right, that 
that fear and dread of when you miss the shot <laughs> and like the zombies coming at you. I mean, like you'll take your time to aim. They're not running at you. Okay, this is like Resident Evil One. This is like the George Romero slow crawling, creepy moving towards you zombies. And the worst thing is, remember when I mentioned like the camera and how things like kind of pop up for no reason because basically it's just a change of like a FOV or angle. You know, it's like you turn a corner and all of a sudden there's a zombie like right next to you all of a sudden. So you have to kind of like step back. And then you had to like turn left and right to rotate your character. <laughs> and then when you're out of bullets, your melee isn't actually that effective. Dude, you spend a lot of time just mashing to get like zombies off your case. You know, but... And then that's not even counting the hunters that come in. Fuck that uh, shit. <laughs> and the giant ass stake somewhere in the mansion. I mean, and the plant. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a planned Christmas scenario or jail scenario. I totally forgot. I mean, dude, uh, to me, that felt like a shout out to Little Shop of Horrors, you mm. know, which is technically not really a horror movie. I mean, it's a musical. They had horrific elements. We should do a whole episode about... But that's know, what I like about Resident Evil. Movies. Like, it was actually stemming off from the fact that Shinji Mikami, the creator, Yo. after he's sick of doing Goof Troop and Aladdin, <laughs> and then be like, hey, dude, Capcom, you know that game you did called Sweet Home back in the NES? Sorry, Ooh, sorry, Famicom? Famicom. I want to do that, but for the PlayStation. And then they're like, done, go for, go for it. And, I mean, and created, we got that, yes. created the franchise. Yeah, one yeah. of the biggest horror franchises. We got to thank Sweet Home for that. That was one of the games where resource management was the key deal in those kind of games. But was he like a lead programmer on Sweet Home? No, uh, Sweet Home was more, he was more like a, one of the guys. He was probably in the team and then he wanted to just kind of like... He wasn't the lead, that's for sure, at the time. It's he was, kind of like... He, a, was, he was doing work... No, no, no. He was doing work for Goof Troop and Aladdin for SNES. So like the guys in the other room were like making a cooler game and he just wanted to be a part of that. Something yeah, like that. pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> Which he did. Thank God for Shinji Mikami, man. Otherwise, we wouldn't we wouldn't be getting, I don't know... Devil uh, May Cry. No, no, no. no that, that's Shinji Mikami. Oh, my Which bad. is in the next Devil... Which is, which the, is next the next Resident Evil. Resident Evil. Yeah, uh, no, <laughs> you, you should thank him for what's that? Um, Vanquish. He was part of that. Oh, and all the effort he did with Platinum, huh? Yeah, boy. No, that was a oh, Shadows cool. of the Dam, yes. You like that game? Yeah, it was awesome, dude. I swear to God. That's, again, we, we gotta focus on Resident Evil because we sidetracked quite a lot. I mean, do you want to go through the entire series? Because 2 is kind of forgettable. No, no. It was I, scarier, I, I would agree. because it I like part even... 2 a lot more, actually. I, 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 Everything was actually more improved. I mean, you got the tension from the first game. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the typewriter saves. <laughs> the, the, the the resource management factor the janky as fuck inventory yeah yeah but this one yeah this one I think they improved because you can combine shit now makes things slightly easier but hey it's still fucked up right? I mean I remember the first time you pick up oh red plant what the fuck does this do and <laughs> green I plant William Birkin was a better I mean with all the logs and all that he was a better bad guy I suppose you think in a way I mean Wesker is more like the He's the face of Resident Evil throughout. But for that particular entry, William Birkin was the mofo. He was a motherfucker, yo. Was he represented in the movies? Oh, yo, you I don't we, remember the movies. If you think about it, yeah. we also kind of missed out on the opportunity about talking about Resident Evil movies. Which we'll get in due time. Which are not really horror movies. Yeah. They're terrible action movies. And then that <laughs> last bit at the end where you got like three, four forms of William Birkin and you got the timer. That shit drove me mad as heck I mean in a good way because it's a challenge because you gotta manage your time and your roots and whatnot. did you play this on the Playstation? Or PlayStation? this PC? was the Playstation dude this was oh, yeah, yeah. PS1 all the way it was like the game which I played during high school when I'm done with Final Fantasy oh man you just age yourself right there right? I played this I in high school <laughs> yeah back in high school when you know when we were young I can, and virile I, I actually you know bring my friends down just to play Resident Evil 2 
That, that shit scared the shit out of me, dude, at the time. Okay. Even though the fact I like Alone in the Dark, Resident Evil 2 looked good. It, it was a logical progression, right? And, you know, yeah. I kind of like the It was the, the evolution of the on. vibe, right? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And those liquors, dude, that's a memorable <laughs> thing. That's a memorable <laughs> iconic villain. Because, I mean, evil monster thing with the tongue and the fact that, oh, it's actually one on top. Oh, it's going to come down. And it just... Fucks you up. I think this was all super inspired like by movie four aliens. Four five shotgun bullets were contributed for each liquor. This was when I when I played it the first time, dude. I think this was also kind of referenced in like like Left 4 Dead's what do you call the the smoker? Oh yeah, yeah. The s- That's or smoker, is it, right? Is, is it? Is the guy with the tongue, right? Yeah, I think so. It's like oh, yeah, these these look like Resident Evil zombies. Huh? Yeah, we apologize to every L for defending this if we get this wrong, but eh, <laughs> fuck it, nobody cares about this Left 4 Dead anymore. <laughs> Alright, Overwatch is here. Ugh. But, okay, we'll talk a bit about 3, but I would like to gush more about 4. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, we don't, we, again, we're all talking about our favorite Resident Evil, so yeah, go for part 4. 4 changed the game forever. Yes. It was not only going back to the horror and the survival roots, because 3 it felt like a really shitty science fiction movie. 3? I don't Nemesis. know. Nemesis, I mean, like... That had some good things, but... I remember four a bit more. That but that definitely was something that you could play now, and you'd be like, "Oh, okay, this is the kind of sort sort of survival horror but game." Actually, Resident I Evil want. do third person before Gears of War, no right? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, Resident Evil Four came out. Yeah, yeah, you're right, right. Uh, did, that right. came out first, and then Gears of War came in. And then Gears of, War, I mean, like Resident Evil, I would say is the reason the Xbox Three Sixty so because yes. if it wasn't for Resident Evil Four, Cliffy B wouldn't have the like you know the the, the notion to like do it in. 3PS. I don't know. I'm just no, no, no. That's true. That is true. This he, he did admit it by this right. and win back. Yeah, I mean, like because the thing is, people were so desperate to find a way to make this kind of shooter work on a console, especially in the pet setting. And it's like it's, it's like strokes of genius because Resident Evil Four. Fuck, it's a god. Yeah, this is all Shinji Mikami's work. This is know? a goddamn masterpiece. But he like took three games. I mean, was there any spin-offs before? Oh my god, you were right about the whole because. Uh, yeah. This guy, Shinji Mikami, and even he, even Capcom, yeah. if they don't think this idea works, even if it's like three, four months close to shipping, they scrap the whole shit. They, they, they'll redo this it. This only happened twice, in, <laughs> and it's in Resident Evil. The first was actually part two. Remember, I remember back at EGM, I saw all these concept pictures. Holy shit! You've got Leon Kennedy and this other random biker chick going in, and then it got delayed one year, and then. We see, oh, there's Young Kennedy still, but somehow he's teamed up with uh, Chris's sister, Claire Redfield. Oh. Yeah, I so that whole script thing was scrapped because they didn't Everybody's get favorite escort mission is Claire Redfield. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping her alive. Oh, oh no, 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 no. Um, that's Claire, Claire Redfield was a playable character. You don't have to escort her that much. Really? And what am I thinking of then? I think you're thinking of that uh, Preston's daughter in part four. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. I mean, you get to shove her in the cabinet, so you're fine. So it wasn't that much of a hindrance. Man, man, but Resident Evil 4, like the first time I played it, and the thing is I played it, I don't think it was, was it on the PlayStation? Or was it, it, was, on, um, it was on GameCube it first, was also then on GameCube the PS stuff, stuff came out. Because I missed out on getting myself a GameCube, so I did play it on the PlayStation, and I just remembered how different it was, and how, in a sense, it was like a stratospheric jump from one thing to another thing. It's literally like comparing maybe a maze shooter like Doom to like something like Quake. It's like, it feels the same, but it's not. It's new, it's different. And like the control scheme, okay, granted a little bit janky sometimes. You know, just turning is still a bit difficult. Oh, but it felt a bit fast and you can do the 180 degree turn, right? I mean, I'm a just glad they got rid of the goddamn like fixed camera shit like you know, from the old days, right? And like, 
honestly, the setting, the style, the get, humor as well. <laughs> getting a goddamn chainsaw in the neck, you know, <laughs> it's like that game was f- f- straight on terrifying. Dude, like that battle on the lake with the tentacle thing. Oh, dude! <laughs> Holy that shit! Guy. That was awesome. I was like, <laughs> this is the because bi- the Resident Evil games didn't have anything that big. For and there were like QTEs as well. Like you see shit coming your way, just press a button multiple times. Uh, God. Hey, but this is like again, you like you said, this was a good change because yeah. Resident Evil needed to be something more than that. It so evolved it, from here. It, it it went on to more actiony kind of survival horror game. Very actiony. You still have to manage resources, but not. Not so much because you're more of an action hero per se. Yeah. I mean, Leon did spot quite a lot of shitty one-liners, right? Dude, <laughs> not as much as what happened in the next game. Uh, <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, oh, this was also that second red game that actually got a huge overhaul because Part Four was supposed to be more like Part Three or Code Veronica with the fixed yeah, angles and I all that. that. But yeah, that completely got overhauled and all that became what you see right now. Which thank God this happened. You know. Dude, yeah, I mean it. When I say it changed the game, it changed the game forever. Yeah. Yeah, but look, wait, which is the one that became Devil May Cry? That was two, right? That was actually two, yes. Yeah. Uh, no, no, actually the concept of part three was going to be actiony. Yeah. And then Hideki Kami, and then that was sort of shelved for Devil May Cry. Created its which own Hideki genre. Kimi, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Stylish totally. action game. <laughs> All the more better for it, honestly. But I'm just glad the overhauling thing worked because every other survival horror game kind of had to follow like suit Dead after Space a while as well right? followed that technique you know the whole over the shoulder camera thing yo Dead Space 1 and 2 I love those games oh, I mean, those were cool. very good Piece of shit. <laughs> Goddamn EA. How could I didn't play part three though, so kind of oh, skipped out. Uh, unless you have something on Origin or an old console. I mean, to me, Dead Space One was a breath of fresh air, but I think I'm going way too forward. Oh, that's fine. That's Let's... fine. Again, favorite horror games. Please I talk would... about Dead Space One and Two. This is something I can share because I played both. So and the, I still like part two. So if I'm not mistaken, the dude's name is Isaac. Isaac Clark, yes. The and whole sci-fi thing going on, you know. What I liked about Dead Space was that innovation. Like, you didn't have a hut per se. You had, your life bar was the lights on your back. Yeah, yeah, it was all... It was very clever. Yeah, the info was all on your back. And then, what were these guys called? The Necromorphs, right? Necromorphs, And yes, I, yes. I love the fact that, I mean, they were trying to do something totally different. Like, the zombie genre would instill and, like, kind of created the whole cliche where like okay if you do headshots you'll be going to do well 
and then they created necromorphs. It's like headshots don't mean shit. <laughs> you gotta cut off their limbs so they can't stop going towards you. Mm-hmm. And it was imaginative, and I love the setting. I mean, if I love like, how the necromorphs look because it kind of remind me of like a sleeker version of a Cronenberg horror show. I mean, in the, a way, in I a would way. say, I'm, I, I, dude, those babies creep the shit out of me. I had part two. Yeah, the I nursery, oh, the nursery man. man. Holy shit! But like for Dead Space, to me, like the best thing about that game right, was how. It nailed isolation. It nailed the dread and the, and the best thing about part one was that one random uh, what was that stage where you had to go and like repair some sort of like. Uh, was it the ship engine or was it? Like yeah, yeah. Some and then you were you had to go out into space and then all of a sudden the game just cuts the audio. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and it's it, so good. It's yeah. Like, and then the best thing is right. Okay, you you're just fucking around. You're like repairing this shit. Like okay, this is how I'm gonna unlock the door or get on the train to go to the next stage. So you're done repairing, you turn around, and there's a fucking necromorph like coming right at you, and you didn't hear him. It's like super effective yeah. horror, done very well, done very clever. I mean, ju- I mean, one amazing game. Stupid ending, but amazing game. <laughs> but part two, I actually, yeah, I like part two quite a lot more. I like Maybe part because two. Because it was like, okay, biggest city. There's a whole me- mechanics. There was weapons more going to on, do, yeah. Combining weapons and all that. So crafting creepy, guns, uh, and while also maintaining creepy shit like the nursery I mentioned, mm. and that scene where he had that needle in the eye. Oh my god, <laughs> that still freaked the oh, shit out. Oh yeah, of me. I remember that. <laughs> I mean, it's a video game. This is sort of how strong this phase two is as a video game. Like you control where the needle goes and all that, and if you fuck <laughs> it up, you get a really cool death scene. <laughs> yeah, but. I mean, I would love to... Oh, man, this game needs another sequel. Oh, oh I'm not done with this yet. Was it part one or part two where you actually get sucked out through a vent and then you get your leg caught by a tentacle necromorph thing and then you had, like, a few seconds until you die, you had to aim and all that? I think they did stuff like that in part one. I remember there's a lot of times where tentacles will grab you and you'll be hanging upside down and you're trying to aim upside yeah. down. And there's one that actually <laughs> drag you through that air ducts or whatnot. That could have been part two, man. Wow. I really want to replay these games oh, again. Oh, I remember part two, you had a lot of the gravity missions where you had to go from the ceiling and all that. And then you see Necromorph slowly floating. Oh shit, I got <laughs> I got I better not reload because it's coming after me and get one hit kill me, you know? I mean, like... It's super cool. Even part one had, like, gravity sections, right? With the gravity boots, right? I think I remember that There's this one part, part where you were, like, going inside some sort of, like, a, like a stadium or a sports hall and then it's like, oh, hey... And it was this weird achievement where you, know, you can like throw balls into a hoop or something. I just remember fucking around that a lot. Yeah, like. was it part one or part two? Well, one of them, one of them. I mean, like, sad to say, both games, okay, don't really stand out well on their own. I mean, to me, they felt like two parts of a bigger game. Like, part three felt like a cash-in, cash-grab. But, man, to me, this is the spiritual successor to Resident Evil 4. Resident Evil and yeah. maybe a mix of it was a Horizon. Bet- it know? was a better Resident Evil 5 than Resident Evil 5. <laughs> I mean, Dead Space hit, the, hit it right out of the park. And I mean, highly recommend it. If you have not played Dead Space, please give it a chance. I won't defend Resident Evil 5 that much, but yeah, it definitely, I can recognize its flaws. I mean, my only thing I can say is like, it's at least it's better than 6. <laughs> I mean, okay, I want to bring this up because when Resident Evil 5 came out, right, there was a little bit of controversy about how it was set in Africa. I don't mind that. Remember so- that? Yeah, yeah. No, no, it was actually made a bigger news than it should be because yeah, it's I just set so. in Africa. And, you know, those kind of regions actually have, you know, that kind of setting per se with, uh, 
you know, like the shanty towns and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, we touched on this in a previous episode, you know. We Sh- did, but... Shout out to the Metal Gear Suckage episode where yeah, we talked yeah. about Resident Evil, I think. The thing about it is, like, the news people, especially, uh, I remember there was a guy named Enguy Kroll bringing it up. That guy. Lot, yeah? he, 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 he made Resident Evil popular because of that. No, I mean, like, when he was on, like, he, one of those random game trailer shows, and then he just straight out said, like, oh, Resident Evil is racist. And he's like, did you just call a bunch of Japanese developers who made a game set in Africa where it featured African people racist? That, that, that's more... What? I don't know. <laughs> what was the logic behind that exclamation? Because, like, okay, if we were to set it in, I don't know, Alabama, Texas. Or even or, in, like, a Japan where there's Or a even in like, Japan where it's like, okay, just Asian people, would that be racist? I don't think so, no. So, I mean, this is, to me, I mean... I I got much respect for Engai Crow. I mean, as a games journalist, I mean he does he does good work, but but he, just that bit, yeah, just that one. What bit. the fuck was he saying? You know, I mean, and uh, the thing is, I'm all the, we were all the way here in Asia, right? And it's like we're looking at him like, big, like, what do you mean is racist? It's set in where it's supposed to be set, yeah, yeah. and and I then when you play the game, when you get the context of everything, it's like okay, they, yeah. these guys are infected by, um, this new strain. But uh, the the Uruboros strain or whatnot, so that's why they're crazy like that, you know. I mean, I do remember that one of the developers, like during the making of this game, they interviewed him and then they asked him. Right, like, he thought that Africa was like probably the perfect setting because he sa- he mentioned in, in a sense that zombies are always portrayed as like you know dead white people, you know even when they're dead they even become even more paler. Yeah. Then he wanted to use Africa as like okay, what if we made like he wanted to play with the shadows. He wanted to play with lights. He wanted like because if you if you had a pale figure in a dark area, you can still kind of see him, you know, if the light hits him the right way, you know. But if you have like a darker skin fella, like you know, he would blend into these kind of situations, which would amp up the horror because then the things in the shadows you can't even see them until it's too late, until it's right up in front of you. I mean, that was what I was really looking forward to. And then the problem is right. It got a bit too actiony for Not good. just that. I mean, they even kind of like added more brown people to kind of like balance things out. Oh, things. do you, do you yeah. want to do you want to have a really good case against uh, maybe not racism, more like stereotyping? Mm-hmm. Later on in Resident Evil Five, you were fighting dudes with giant mud man masks. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that, 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 that. That's you can't complain about that. that that's part, that's not really racist, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just that's just stereotyping. It's just like it's, like it's like saying Indiana Jones movies. You know, why are all the brown people the ones you kill? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's still actually per se. From a gameplay standpoint, I think Resident Evil 5 was alright. Ex- okay, cover system notwithstanding, especially the last stage of the ship. But beyond that, there was some good fun to be had. Nah, so I know. Some fun. For me, it kind of lost the plot, man. Yeah. It became maybe, less of a horror game. I think Shiva as an AI partner may not Shiva be... Shiva or Shiba? Shiva, Shiva. Uh, Shiva Alomar. Um, she wasn't that good of much of a good partner, per se, when she's in AI mode. But mm. with, a, with an actual human being, yeah, it works. No, in co-op. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. Co-op, co-op, any co-op game is like co-op is great. Yeah. But Especially when you're covering each other's backs, you have to actually take down certain monsters which require like a double team effort, which is mostly a one-hit kill thing, you know? Mm. But And that final fight with the, the last boss, not bad actually. Up in the, up in the ship and then for the lava. Five? Yeah. Yeah, I liked it a lot, but... Okay, do we need to even mention Resident the, the next game? I mean, I, nobody played it, right? No, I, I did not play that. The less said about it, the better. I mean, it had a memorable logo, but that's about it. Mm. The giraffe Let, game. Let's not, let's not bring that up again, man. Come and plus, on. we haven't actually played that much, so sorry. It, it's been done to it. death on 9 gag. Yeah. So, but, sorry, we can't talk about, talk about it that much. So, how hype are you for the next Resident Evil? Especially with all the VR tagged in and all that. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm, the return to horror. I'm still kind of skeptical. This is more man. like this is more like uh, Capcom 
trying to ape what Konami did with PT and what um what PC game PC developers have done with uh the whole uh games like Amnesia, Amnesia, Amnesia right? yeah. and Outlast, Outlast. They're trying mm. to copy that, but doing their own spin on it. But you know what? I'm actually intrigued because yeah, I'm quite this might be the time where this might be the game where they're actually following the sweet home concept to heart, except you're pretty much unarmed per se. I hope you know, like kind of vulnerable in a sense. Maybe you can have a handgun or a hammer, but your controls are probably going to be purposely nah, shipped, man. You know? They gotta do it like amnesia. You gotta just have a like. Your only thing you can carry is a torch or a light. You know? <laughs> I think what they're doing is they're trying to do what. Clock Tower did like you have a helpless protagonist. Oh, All you're good at is hiding. You brought up it. a very classic game. Oh Clock yes, Tower. yes. <laughs> That's also another survival horror game that a lot of people may not know about. It came out during the Famicom era and uh, it had a nice Super life. Famicom, Super Famicom. Super Famicom. Now, that game, I did not, did not play it at the time because it was Japanese. I did not know how to read Japanese back then. But I think a few years later, like when the PS1 came out, people were using emulators for Super Nintendo games. Oh, the fan subs. Uh. Yeah. I played this with the fan subs and all that. Freaked the shit out of me as soon as I saw Dude, Bobby Scissor the Man. Scissor Man coming out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is like, when you hear the music, dong! and all that and then the dude is coming down slowly see a little kid with a giant pair of shears it's gonna cut the fuck out of you man and you're and you you're a little girl who looks like Jennifer Love Hewitt no 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 Lopez oh god Garner <laughs> not, not Garner there was the other Jennifer the one from The Hulk Connolly Jennifer Connolly yes yes oh my god like, yeah, too many Jennifers. Yeah, so many Jennifers. Yeah, so yeah, General Conley as a little kid running around, freaked out by fucking Scissor Man and all that, and then all he can do is basically hide. Hopefully, not the parrot shuts the fuck up, you know, and <laughs> hiding in the bathtub and all that, and then figuring out that your friends are all murdered and dead in like a very detailed kind of cutscene in a way, like it shows yeah, a woman getting hanged or a little girl like cut off and dead, but you don't see you only see a hand and blood. The way it's being portrayed for a Super Nintendo game, very detailed and very freaky, mind you. Mm. It actually gets the dread part right, especially with the whole story where oh, apparently you can run the fuck away and take a take a <laughs> take a car out. I don't know how little kids can drive cars, but it happened. That, that's an ending for that. And then you see the back of the the, the rear view window, scissors come out, and that's, <laughs> that's, that's some good shit right there, right? And the fact that there are multiple endings coming out for this game, yeah, that's what I like about this, like. It's a, it's a point-and-click adventure game, but again, you can die in this, so you gotta learn how to run the fuck away and manage your panic meter, and you gotta know how to match your buttons, especially when you're trying to wrestle Bobby down the ground and get the fuck away, you know? It's, it's, it's tense, it's tense. I like what this game does, even though I only played it like three, four years later. I can appreciate games like this a lot. Party, yeah, yeah but... later the party, but fuck it. This is effective than most horror games can do at the time. I mean, did you play the sequels or the PlayStation efforts? Just the thing, I did not. Oh, I hear no. a lot. I know, I know. <laughs> I hear a lot about the sequels. Clock Tower 1 on the PS1, which was part 2. Mm-hmm. That was actually good. 
I heard a lot of good things about it. I like it a lot. Super super freaky from what I've heard. I don't know, like with the CD and the improved music, dude, man, the the creepiness was amped up. You know, I don't know who was the composer was, but I remember Did the Jennifer music. Jennifer Return. Being... I'm not sure. I think she might have. I'm not sure. I played the Japanese version, bro. So I'm not so sure what the English name would be. Mm. Well, but speaking of Jennifer's, oh, oh, oh. Um, <laughs> did you did you play I did you play part three and part four? Missed out, bro. Because apparently, in one of the later sequels, you can turn into like the equivalent of Sailor Moon in halfway in one of the timelines. So this is Jap- that that weird Japanese ending thing, right? Oh my god! No, no, this is actually canon, mind you. Oh, god. I've heard some stupid shit about Even... the PS two clock towers are like, wow, how far have you fallen, man? Especially when Capcom took over. I mean, how, is it weirder than like Resident Evil 2's dog ending? Or? Um, <laughs> here's the thing. Clock Tower's spiritual successor came in much later because I think the guys who were in human entertainment, mm-hmm. they went and did um, Rule of Rose and then a game before that. The Dementia. 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 Wow. Uh, what's it called? The game where everyone wants to rape you? Rape play? No, no. Not that <laughs> one. Not that one. No, apparently you're a protagonist and everyone wants to point you. Forcefully, from the big zombie dude to your granddad or whatever, man, and then I, you got your dog to help you out. I know what you're talking about. Oh, it's called Demento. Demento. Yeah, Demento. Yes, it was. That was an English name, Haunted Grounds or Haunted something. Man, never properly released here too. No, no, it, it came out in English, but we just forgot about the English title. We don't remember it as Demento. I mean, how upset were people when they figured out that not much rape was really going to happen? Well, <laughs> yeah, if you, if you lose, yeah, shit happens, and it was getting more disturbing. We yeah. should do a whole episode where we talk about sexy video games where we have you know <laughs> penetration and actual sex scenes Ooh, wow wow that, Man, that, 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 that's another I have time a whole, I have a whole ramble about Knights of Zentar oh please bring all the Asahis for that show <laughs> because uh, yeah that's a lot this episode brought to you by beer <laughs> beer and rape <laughs> oh <Okay>. god <laughs> but anyway you mentioned Jennifer yep so I want to bring up a game way back in the 16-bit era as well. I think it came out on like Turbo PC or something, right? So you are... I mean, this is also a shout-out to our previous Halloween episode. You play Guy with Mask. I know where we're going, but go on. I'll humor you. You need to rescue this girl, Jennifer. Okay. And where do you find her? In the Splatter House. <laughs> <laughs> good leader, good leader. Now, it's not a horror game per se, but that's a shitload of it's horror a, it, It's an there. action gore platformer. I, I where, don't know. Nanko ban- where, where Bandai Nanko is like, 
you know, I've watched too many Nightmare on Elm Street. I think it was Friday basically 13th. Friday the 13th, yeah. Yeah, basically, I've seen all these horror films, Poltergeist, all that. Let's turn all this shit to an action video game where I suck the shit out of quarters. Oh, man. But, like, have but you, I, I played like, the I like home it. version. Yeah. Wait, wait, did you play one, two? I played the arcade one. Mm-hmm. Um, that had a pretty cool stage where you're in, a, you're in the room and the room shakes and you got all this portraits and shit like flying at you and you just gotta stay alive and oh, beat the shit yeah. out of the portraits you know how small the hitbox for the portrait is Very. you had to get through it like Dude, a shitload of times the Splatter House series is notorious for just being fucking hard for no reason at all and then there's a bit <laughs> where this boss with the chainsaw and the bag head thing was so hard there's actually a walkthrough I've seen online where a guy yeah. is basically carrying the shotgun all the way from one end of the stage to the other where he's just picking it up dropping it in Picking it up, dropping it. Just like so you can take, nail him later. Yeah, with like three shots of the shotgun because that's apparently the most powerful weapon. Yes, it is. Yeah, do not if you ever pick up a shotgun in any of the Splatterhouse games, hold on to it for as much as you can. Okay, and thing about the bullshit thing about the Splatterhouse games, right? You know, it's. I think to me, like the first time I saw gore, on but but in a, a video game. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what do you think? This of is it? way before Mortal Kombat. So, like, what I thought of it, like, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I played this when I was in high school. It was one of those like weekend rentals where it's like, oh, this is gonna like you know last me and my brother like the whole weekend because we're gonna just take, like, have so much fun playing this, right? Man, the controls are janky as hell. Nobody figured out how to do the slide move properly because uh-huh. I know you have to jump, press down, and forward attack or some shit. You know, weapons didn't last very long. Your jump arc is ridiculous, and then you have pitfalls and traps and spikes that just like you know you can never clear any of that shit. Stage two is Splatterhouse two when you're going down the elevator and then the whoop whoop monsters were like coming oh yeah down the whoop whoop right. the whoop whoops <laughs> fuck those guys because they're they never have the same jump pattern so it's like you're only limited to jump kick punch and down kick these were the slug things right was it I don't quite remember slug things was um later after that the one what I'm talking about is those the the, the, the demons with like one leg they were just bounce uh, and they right, were right. impossible to nail and then I mean granted fun game. And what kept me going was definitely the gore. Mm. I mean, I, re- I it's like the kind of games like I really enjoyed it as like when I was younger. I played it back recently. Not a fan anymore. That was actually <laughs> a pretty good twist with one of the bosses where you see your girlfriend and it turns out yeah she's a big ass monster. Yeah she. Oh wait, yeah there's that good ending. Fun, yeah. Good ending, bad ending. No no no, it was the actual ending for part one. Yeah, you actually killed oh. her because she we had no choice. We had no idea how to exercise. Oh yeah yeah, her. that makes sense because in the opening of part two they were like telling you part oh, two she survived. yeah she survived yes part two you rescue her and she calls you but if I recall in part two you had a, a good ending and a bad ending whether she survives or not. Oh no no that's part three. Oh really? That was when it became a beat em up like Streets of Rage, where you can actually go up, down, Which left, right. Which was not bad for a. <laughs> it was actually really good. I liked it. Good controls, good fighting. Could have used co op though. <laughs> your, your mask look a bit more alien like because they're trying to avoid Dude, you uh, look copywriting like, you issues. Like Casey Jones, yeah, bro. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Casey Jones. Jones. This one was more because they trying to avoid the whole. It's the one where you had thing. the power up that you could bulk up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You become super starter house man. You crush people's heads with your hands yeah, and yeah, shit. Yeah. Now, with all those three games, have you played the fourth game? The remake. Yes. The reboot. Yeah. The one where it looks like basically a God of War game, right? It is. No, I have I actually <laughs> find that uh, that's actually more of a guilty pleasure for me. Oh, really? Now, here's the thing. This was actually done by the guys who did this old game called The Mark of Kree on the PS2. Holy shit, it really? Was a, it Those was a, guys? It was a Don Bluth-style lookalike game, except you have people's heads getting cracked and pulled out yeah, and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know how hardcore Mark of 3 is, right? It's Kinda, fucking yeah. awesome. 
uh, Rise of Kasi, Kasai Kasi was also great too and you get to play his little sister uh, different fighting styles really good now these guys they worked on the Starter House remake and you can actually feel the fight, fighting mechanics really really solid all that it's a good combo system right? it's a great combo system really good kills especially the one where you pull the organs out of the demon's <laughs> and all that problem is how it ended it, be, it ended like how any horror movie would end there's always going to be a cliffhanger, right? With a twist or something, huh? Yeah, something like that. How yeah. are the boss fights? And there's game? also this really uh, sh- uh, unnecessary bit where you collect portraits of pictures of your naked girlfriend as you it's like as collectibles. Oh, okay. So kind of like a trophy per se. Like proper naked or just... Uh, yeah, super naked. Like, uh, I mean, you don't see a bush, but you see a boobs. So. Uh, that, that, kind, that kind of CGI naked shit. Something you know? for the boys. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think they're trying to match, they're trying to keep to that whole uh, slasher pick flick kind of tone oh and what I like about this is uh, Jim Cummings voice the mask oh he was so it's like the creepy Uncle Pete's uh, Pete's voice mm. uh, from Disney you know the dog Pete yeah, yeah, so yeah. imagine that but like Goofy's enemy yeah like except creepier and more perverted because he's always thinking about oh I'm gonna fuck Jennifer in this in many ways yada yada is Jim Cummings also the guy who did Tigger no he didn't uh, he is right he's voice the, like, I think he's, he's the modern Tigger yes, yes yes but we all remember him as Pete's voice mm-hmm. the voice of Pete but, sworn enemy of Goofy and Goofdom <laughs> everywhere you know, yeah, also a reminder, we need to do the proper Disney video game episode too, I guess. <laughs> oh man, there's so many of them. From Quackshot to Castle of Illusion to but holy Kingdom shit. Hearts. I mean, this game <laughs> had so much potential, but I think a lot of people did not like how janky certain levels were. And I'll admit, the 2D parts of the game, very broken. The jumping was shit. But they came in few and far between. the jumping was shit since part one, actually. I, mean, so, so I, guess, I guess they're keeping it consistent, keeping I guess. It, keeping it real. Yeah, but, the, but the 3D fighting bits, really good. I wanted more of that. Thankfully, this game had like a battle royale mode where basically kill a bunch of dudes, get a high score, simple as that. Oh, and like get more Devil May Cry is like arena. Or yeah, yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, fighting was actually solid, all that. Can get a bit repetitive, but then again, these games have that kind of factor to it. But at the same time, I wish there was a Splatterhouse 2 where they, you know, made a mansion or made a more bigger yeah, version out of it, you keep know? Keep it back to this old... Make it, a, make it a town, you know, like Jason Goes to Manhattan style. <laughs> oh, such And then having the same guys too. Unfortunately, those guys, I believe they got Bottle Rocket, they kind of folded after this title. Oh, really? Splatterhouse really put them under? Wow. I know, really sucks. Because Splatterhouse is not a great game. It's a good game. Mm-hmm. It's more like a solid guilty C. pleasure. Like a C, like a very guilty pleasure kind of thing. If you like horror, you like how Splatterhouse was back in the day. Mm. If you like Devil May Cry style games or action games, yeah, yeah, play this. It's worth the five bucks at least. If you can find it right now. I'm sure you can. Did it, it ever come on PC? No, it right. might be on a PC, but I know it's Xbox and uh, PS3. Mm, that so, era. really good stuff. It's just, yeah, probably came out at the wrong time or maybe needed more marketing. Ah, so, so sad, honestly. Well, I mean, I don't want the series to die, but I definitely wouldn't mind another Splatterhouse reboot. Because, I mean, there's, the thing about a game like that is that it's so much potential. And there's so many things you could have done with it. And I do remember, like, towards the end of, like, the 16-bit games, like, the, the bosses got freakier and freakier. Oh, yeah, yeah. You no, know, yeah. like, I mean, what was it? There you got was... giant hairs coming out from the ground. You got, like, uh, your girlfriend as well as a game of monster. I mean... The I... organs and shit, if I recall. I remember the most... I think it was Better House 2. It was, like, the boss who's just a giant blue head in the dark. 
and he'll be shooting like shit from his mouth and there'll be ghosts flying around you and the only way to defeat him is to punch his eyes until they explode it oh man <laughs> and his the eyeballs, effects are really cool I mean yeah. for 16-bit for of his time and then I was a little bit kind of like skeptical because when you talked about the Splatterhouse remake right I remember seeing the trailers and thinking to myself eh, no it just looks like any other like you know action game just, just a lot bloodier and that's what really? I like about it the whole rough Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind of aesthetics. Mm. Very rough, janky, but purposely made so so that the gore when it comes out from your enemies' bodies and all that is all the more visceral. Yeah. Is it bloodier than Ninja Gaiden 2? No, no. No, it's not. Right. It's more like <laughs> contained gore per se, you know, like all the sounds and the squishiness of it. Mm. It's not bad. It's not bad. I, I would understand why it wouldn't like hold a candle to games. Like, even, like, even games like Gears, oh, of, Gears War, of War actually got the, the gore. horror gore thing down Yeah. Pat. I mean, as I said before, the I mean, most satisfying splat sound from a sniper yeah, yeah. ever. And yeah, the, the the first game actually was trying to emulate that whole like isolation thing going on because of the corridors and whatnot, which part 4 did as well. But part 2, part 3 went very action-y per se. But yeah, props to Cliffy B for doing that, you know, mm. like keeping it from his inspiration of Resident Evil 4. Man, I think he has it in him to make a really excellent horror game. But I don't know if it's like something that he'd be interested in. Maybe something like Shadows of the Damned or Dead Space. Yeah, he but that's more that. like a goofy, like, uh, nah, B-grade flick. super B-grade. <laughs> you gotta be in the correct mindset to play Shadows I mean, that, that game came out around the same time as like Tarantino's Planet Terror and... Uh, what is it? Uh, it's actually later than that. Much later. Much but later. Obviously inspired by that, right? I was there at the time when EA was still had an office in Singapore at the Fusionopolis building. Mm-hmm. I actually played an early copy of that in at their place. It was really cool. And yeah, this is the game that had so much star talent. I mean, you've got Suda51. You've got yeah. um, Shinji Mikami coming Wait, in. This is Suda before Lollipop Chainsaw, right? Uh, yeah, before, before. Before Lollipop Chainsaw. And then EA did the marketing and they did not give a shit about it. What mm. the fuck, man? Honestly, even the guys at EA are like, dude, this game was so good. Why didn't we actually put more budget in the marketing, you know? I know some guys in EA, I'm not going to say their names and all that, but they said that, yeah, so much potential wasted because of company bullshit. Yeah. I mean, make or break. I mean, it's still like how we get the games and how the fans react to it too, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Classic Alone in the Dark. We've talked about Resident Evil. Resident Evil, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we brought up Clock Tower. I mean, we I brought was up expecting Clock Tower. that. Yeah, Clock Tower. Good. No, an essential horror game, definitely. Okay, we've got to talk about the big one. The Silent Hill series. Oh, P.T.? Uh, <laughs> the very first one. Forget about P.T. Okay. My... I mean, we can talk about the first one, or we can just talk about two, which was still, to me, You're hands gonna... down, masterpiece, greatest horror game Dude, ever. as great as part two was, I mean, with the whole meta story with, okay, Rick's, what's his name again? Uh, the guy's wife. They represent <laughs> it in different ways. The one thing that stood out on Silent Hill, the first one, mm-hmm. was the fact that it uses low-tech to his advantage. All that fog you see, oh, yeah. dudes are going to come out right behind you when you least expect it. And then when I got to the school area in the alternate demon universe, 
Holy shit, I turned off my PlayStation straight away. Really? That was how freaky it was, dude. I was like, I don't care if I save, dude. This is too much for me. I'm going to play it in the daytime. I mean, granted, like the Silent Hill series, I mean, what I love about it, it's the same as what I would say about something like Resident Evil 4. It did it different. It, like, took something that already existed and put it, uh, put a new spin on it. And, like, Silent Hill 1, super refreshing in the fact that it they really reduced the action and they pushed everything towards the graphics, the the atmosphere and just like the environments they designed they used fog very well exactly and, and, yeah it was literally like you know the PS couldn't render things past a certain yeah. point so, so make it scary use, use the that fog as advantage. part of the yeah the, but man then 2 happened yeah. <laughs> 2 2 used two those same techniques and they made a more psychological thriller kind of story to it which I mean, was cool I, I love it I've said countless times where like when it comes to video games I don't really care for story 2 is the only exception to the rule because I was engrossed as fuck about this poor asshole trying to find his wife in Silent Hill. Yeah, and then it turns <laughs> out all this shit all leading up to that, you know? I, I That's what I loved about the story. It's just very... something you can relate to. I mean, Rick, was it? Oh, shit, I forgot the main guy's name, but he was actually such a good guy but at the same time... Let's call him Sean of... Bean. Okay, Sean Bean, yeah. <laughs> but you kind of feel for the guy. That's what I like about this, this protagonist. Very... No, not only the psychological horror, but the fact that every part of the environment would like remind you or tweak and turn to whatever. Bits of his wife. Yeah, yeah the th- that shit. shit. <laughs> you know, it's like, and then like I don't know if it's true, but then it's like they even like recorded like like uh, the wife's actress like audio dialogue, and they put it really low in the background, so you sub- subconsciously think that she's calling out to you, <gasps> pushing you forward. I don't know, uh, but. No, no, they actually did that. Yes, they did is, do that, think, right? Yeah, yeah. They did, they did, and I that remember, was what I like about it. Like, because I play this game on headphones, it's like I could hear a voice, but this, it's there, it's there. Wow. That's what I like about this game. Like this, even Resident Evil One and all that, they were all done because they wanted, they they love horror, they want to do something, they want to make it downright scary. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, they had Pyramid Head as a big monster, but it wasn't. The, Yo, it wasn't shout the, us to Pyramid for being like he the most the fo- iconic. Yeah, but he wasn't the focus. That focus of Silent Hill Two was his wife. This, mm. this and her many forms and Dude, all that. Do you remember the pir- the pyramid head reveal? Yeah, I mean it's just like so... fucking that r- weird dead zombie thing. Ah, what what was he doing? Because you were like creaking. Was he like, eating it? Was he fucking it? Was you he... you were like looking through a crack in, in the door or something, right? And he's like, there he is. Okay. That's what I like about that. It's like you don't know, but you know it's not good. <laughs> yeah, they don't over explain. They keep things super subtle, and they let the atmosphere and they let the environment speak for itself. Mm. I mean. And yeah. some of the freakiest nurses ever, mm, exactly, hands down, and exactly. sexiest. <laughs> in a way, in a way, yeah. If you're into that sort of thing. And then, part three, part four. Yeah, those other <laughs> no, they're good. Don't get me wrong. It's just that, I, especially part four. I played a bit of part four. I did like going into the, my... the room more and more, and then it's like the same shit. It's basically PT, but in a more top-down. To me, it felt more like a puzzle game. You know, it felt something like Portal, where it's like, you just, you, it wasn't about getting scared, it was about getting to the next room. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say like, something like the Talos Principle would be, you know, very inspired by Resident Evil, like was, Silent Hill 4. It was more puzzly than the other games, definitely. I mean, every survival horror game has a puzzle too, but they were worked in together in an environment in Silent Hill. Part 4, completely seamless, but more puzzly in a sense. That's how I feel. Uh. I mean, was there a five or anything? I mean, there was Revelations uh, or Bloodlines or something. Uh, there were spin-offs. There was Downpour and a bunch of other shit. I... 
well, I have to confess, I did not play any Neither did I, man. that. Because so. I remember playing part 3 and being kind of disappointed. And it was also a part of my life where it's like, I was going to move away from like survival horror. I skipped part 3 because I think I was playing something else at the time. Probably yeah. another Final Fantasy for you. Know? We, pro- we probably have to go back ooh, and ooh. do a fo- proper Jack, Jack and Dexter. I played that. That took over my life. You played Jack time. and Dexter instead of Silent Hill games. Another time. That's another <laughs> talk for another time. But anyway... Silent Hill, very memorable for us. Definitely. I mean, like, dude, when they launched that PT demo, I was so hyped. Yeah, and then when they said Silent Hills with Norman Readers, holy shit, they're gonna have a Silent Hill with Hideo Kojima. And, and, then and Guillermo Lomo. del Toro. Yeah. And it's like, and yeah, and Konami decided to just Konami everything up. Uh, yeah. So that's, <laughs> Hashtag so for Konami. So that's, ofe- that's an official <laughs> verb now, so yeah. Awesome. I mean, oh god so I mean we can ramble on and on but I think but it's I'm just glad of... but I'm just glad that Capcom is actually picking up the reins in doing For the Resident a Evil. PT style kind of game I just a hope... very survival horror corridor first person game I'm still a bit 50-50 because when I saw like you know like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre style dinner like the table scene yeah. right it's like uh, I kind of still miss Umbrella Core. I kind of miss you know I kind of want to see how this links together Resident Evil because probably, these right. things they have to be kept a secret per se so I want to play the full game I want to be revealed and I hopefully hopefully it's not a bullshit reveal it's more like maybe these redneck hicks used to be umbrella workers more, you know. Or they could just pull a, like a Metal Gear Survive and like, oh yeah, or, all that shit is over there. Or it could be like <laughs> the village where all this is actually a contained experiment. Oh, fuck like that. in a bigger they might M. Umbrella, it. <laughs> umbrella Corp uh, kind of facility. <laughs> that would be good. I mean, if it's pulled off cleverly, I mean, that would be awesome. Like I said, we, we won't know until it happens and when it happens, we just have to experience it to have yep, an actual yep. opinion on it. How about you? Any theories about what could this hillbillies be? Honestly? What, what could be happening in that house? I'm just assuming like if this is following canon, so like, okay, Wesker's done, Umbrella's done, right? So this is just... Because at the end of all the Resident Evil games, humanity is still doomed. It's still the apocalypse. And this is just the remnants of the living society trying to pick up the pieces and restart like humanity and all that. So you're just some random asshole. And then like, oh yeah, we, we're besieged by stuff like cannibalism and like rape and pillaging, right? So it's like, yep, this is us in the post Resident Evil the, 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 I always say the previous canon so this is like the next generation this is like maybe 5 years 10 years later that's the vibe I'm getting I actually have another theory oh no okay <laughs> yeah, I know I know <laughs> this could be a prequel I mean it can be called 7 because you know the title you see 7 cleverly worked into the title and all that mm-hmm. even in Biohazard yeah, nah, no, think, think about it this way uh, the guy who started Umbrella is this guy named Oswald Ooh. we don't know much about him Cobblepot what if what if Resident Evil 7 is actually a prequel before Umbrella started because if you look at that timeline and all that the video camera all that mm-hmm. video cams have been around in the 70s right haven't they? I think film still okay. video will be film 80s. and all that okay what if that this could be a prequel before all that Resident Evil shit happened so you it could be like the childhood of Oswald in that perspective he could have murdered all those hillbillies and be like, fuck it, I'm going to start my own corporation for some reason or other. Are you going to put money on this? You're going to call it? This uh, is your idea? <laughs> maybe, maybe. I mean, I already Dude, brought up two theories. this sounds actually quite interesting. You know? I brought yeah. up two theories already. A contained facility and prequel before Umbrella started. So you could be controlling a co- the guy who started Umbrella for all you know. So one is like the Matrix where you're like stuck in a simulation or something, right? That was actually more like my first one, the whole or like, more like, containment like, shit. Or it know? could be like Cabin in the Woods, right? Where like Umbrella Corp is just actually secretly watching 
seeing how you react to hillbillies. Yeah, yeah, shit. that that could work. That could work. You I know mean, what? So many theories. I I kind I was kind of hoping this could be a prequel. I would think way. that would be like a, a very brave thing to do if you want to drop zombies and kind of like do cannibal hillbillies for the main like you know antagonists. But granted, you know you gotta stay true to your roots. I mean. Japanese, it's, it's, the, it's not the original Japanese team anymore. Uh, it should be kept. Well, the original team already left. I mean, yeah, Shinji yeah, yeah. Mikami and Hideki so Kamiya are gone. Do you, you have know? any idea who, who the developers are? I, I, I have no idea. I know it's the guy who did the fifth game, uh, June something something. He's coming back to like. I believe so. Yes. Man, I'm just. I just hope they hit it out of the park because Resident Evil. Man, just don't Konami it up, man. Yeah. That's I, what I'm, I'm saying. I could say I'm kind of hyped up. I'm going to be scared shit up panelists if I play this game. But still, that theory that, we, that I just brought up, I hope it's one or the other, you know? Just kind of excited to see how this unfolds, you know? Definitely. I mean, uh, we can go on and on. But yeah. Resident Evil, Kandai, Silent Hill, please come back. You definitely want to see another Alone in the Dark game somehow. Huh? Well, maybe a Clock Tower game, a proper one. You, you ready to see a Clock Tower game instead of Alone in the Dark? Ooh, ooh. I kind of want to give shout outs to some, to some of the developers here in Singapore doing horror games. I oh, mean, okay. I figured we're talking about this. Okay. Why don't we bring up upcoming ones as well from our side of the planet? Yeah, outside of the. <laughs> like, one of them is actually done by my friend Justin Stifle. Stifle? Yes. This is the one where you are basically blind. You're in a car crash and you have to get the hell out. Something is chasing you. And the only way to actually see things and get out, get around is to create noise. As you create noise, you see like sonar waves coming up. Oh, Daredevil so basically Vision. You, yeah, basically it's Daredevil <laughs> Vision. But done in a really cool way. And there's VR support as well. So that's the whole horror bit. Really? We've got a VR game coming out of I mean, all. this is VR, but I mean, you can play it in regular mode. But okay. that's a VR version of this. So sound is your friend and your enemy because it shows you the way but it also alerts It attracts danger. the enemy, yes. Mm, clever, so this is clever. why I like, this is pretty cool and really cool that uh, this team from Singapore is doing it. So it's a survival horror game. Yes. And it's coming out, I believe, the start of uh, next year, Man. January-ish. So guys, at Stifle, give us some review codes. You know, we'll we'll say lovely things oh, about yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Bring right back to the shameless plug. Right? I don't care, man. I, I've been I've been saying since the first episode. And there's another I one sell from out. these guys called Kaiju. Then um, they they actually have a VR display at GameStart. They oh, I remember call, those guys. They call I think the game is called Lunar Eclipse. So it's like a concubine or a person in an era reliving that century time when. The lunar eclipse, the blood moon comes up and crazy shit happens. It's a VR game? From, yeah, yeah. From what I've been told, yes. So kind of like Strange Days of Quantum Leap where you live through another person's eyes. Uh, maybe, maybe. Uh, they haven't made the premise that clear, uh, but it looks interesting. I mean, I've seen a few pictures here and there. And, you know, there are just videos of people getting scared while they're getting filmed and scared off their wits, you know? So, you guys, you know, try to reach out to us, you know. Tell us more about your game, you know. We'll review it, we'll say nice things, you know. We're ready to shill. Yeah, yeah. But then again... We, we do love our horror, so. We want to give some shine also to the local programmers and coders and developers of video games here in Singapore, too. Totally.
anything else we can do to wrap up this episode? I mean, I want to talk about stuff like Fatal Frame. I want to talk. Oh about my stuff god! I'm so sorry. We like, should have brought up Fatal Frame, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we, we've been we've been in at it with even all the like stuff. classic stuff like uh, you know, like the Fangoria games. Like I mentioned, the Seven Guests, and there was the sequel, The Eleventh Hour. But well, well we we can't. We're, we're hitting no, a it, yeah. we're hitting a really hard run run time here. No, so. no, no. It's fine, dude. This is our show. We can talk as much as we like. Okay, okay. Alright, so Fatal Frame, go. Fail Frame 1 is the most fucked up game I've ever played <laughs> okay. because basically every time you want to catch a ghost or like you know encounter one that whole bullshit of having to look through a camera and to focus and look at it and the only way to defeat it is to take a picture of it and like you can't see shit till you look through the camera and then everything just like you know squashes into such a small little frame right and it's Oh man, this came out at the time of like Ringu and Grudge and Juon. And so like it's, it's like the company capitalizing it's the, on that? It's, I would say it's not only capitalizing on that, right? But such a clever premise. You know, like you're a little... I mean, in the first game, you're a little girl looking for your brother who got lost in this fucked up Japanese village. So obviously, the aesthetic, the style is like taken from all the Japanese horror movies of that era. And done fucking well. Yes. God yeah. damn. Like remember like in Fatal Frame 1 when you entered the dollhouse stage and then things started moving behind you without you looking like fuck this game. <laughs> Proper and it wasn't jump scares. It was just straight up creepy as fuck shit. You know, I mean like, even the mechanic of having your controller vibrate when something is nearby. And then the sense of dread, like, okay, now I gotta look through the camera. Because like in the normal game you're like walking around in like your kind of uh I would say you know your isometric view, right? I mean, you can like, the uh, walk your eight planes walking around. But once you go into fucking camera view, it's just literally FPS, moving really slowly left to right, waiting for a ghost to pop up. And there could be anything just going left, coming and you left. Don't or right. know what it's gonna look like, and the way they always appear always fucks you up, man. But that's that's the, that's the fun of yo, game, especially dude. that one that came out of the well. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that ghost! Oh, dude, that's that's the fun thing about these kind of games. Like you're vulnerable, but at the same time, your weapon actually enhances the scare factor of the game itself. I mean, like even that mechanic of like, okay, if you want to take a picture of the ghost, you do a little bit of damage. But if you can charge up all the little uh, characters and they all light up, right? So you can do the maximum, not like flash and the only way for that to happen is to get as close as possible to the fucking ghost <laughs> and you know it's gonna done fuck you up right yeah and i mean one came out changed my life like this game was i played that on my xbox with the lights out you know trying to be a hero and man i was like you turned <sighs> the lights back on i was hiding under the sofa or something <laughs> Dude, and I'm, i was well into my 20s when i was playing this then two came out Okay, the, the butterfly game. Oh, shit, what was it called? The twin butterfly or something? Uh, I wish I could tell you, dude. Man, Fatal Frame 2, scarier, more polished, but somehow, I can't really put my finger on it, lacked the charm of the first game. How so, actually? I would say that they made it so smooth and so well. I mean, I would say the first one had this very raw and very dirty vibe to it, especially when it comes to the cutscenes or also to the environment design, right? And then two is like, oh, things a little bit look a little bit more polished. The shadows a little bit more clearer. It looks like the fidelity improve improvement. Like if, if you're a gamer, like yeah, it looks like a better game. But somehow it kind of lost that dirtiness that the original one had. So it wasn't as scary or as atmospheric. I mean, it was granted still a terrifying game. 
Was, but was you'll it? never forget your first I'll strike. Never, you'll never forget the first... If you never play Fiddle Frame... Dude, that game has to be available somehow. I was hoping they would do something for Wii U with Fiddle Frame. They did, actually. Uh, they call it Project. Yeah, it's called Project Zero. I mean, that was the original Fatal Frame's name. Oh, okay. But there was a Fatal Frame on the Wii U. Was with it? the camera holding the Wii U tablet. Oh god, that would be so fucked up. Man. Oh, dude, dude. Uh, <laughs> I don't know much about it because I didn't get a chance to play it. But I'm sure it... Hopefully it can recapture those bits. Dude, I have now found the perfect reason to buy Wii U. That and the fact that they've, they've stopped making it. Oh, yes. <laughs> so uh, you, if you haven't... There's a rumor happening on Friday. <coughs> I mean, we'll only find out on Friday. <laughs> I but think there's apparently there's a rumor that's being they, proven by Eurogamer. And I think Kotaku also correct. mentioned, right? Yeah, they actually sourced it from the Eurogamer. So they might stop making Wii U HD. So yeah, now's yeah. the time to get it, boys and yes, girls. Yes, just, just for that one game. Peter just frame. in time for Christmas and Black Friday and all of that shit. Oh, get, and get, get, yeah, and get a bunch of those other games like Wonderful 101. Well. And Bayonetta 2. Yes. Okay, so yes. Ooh, since we're bringing up horror games, Parasite Eve, the first one. <laughs> Dude, that shit was good, right? I really liked it a lot. Is like, that the game with the lesbian love scene? Um, or am I thinking of something else? No, oh, that's Eve something else. else. No, no, that's Fear Effect. <laughs> oh, my that bad. Yeah, you're right. It's Fear yeah. Effect. But, but, okay. Parasite Eve was basically Square Enix's take on Resident Evil. Except it was in an RPG form. You I get never... to level up your guns, you get to level up Aya's psychic powers. I never played it. How was it? It was rpg in a sense. And mm-hmm. your character... She says high heels, obviously, she runs slow, so... Yeah, she's really slow in running. Thanks, Japan! <laughs> but, yeah, you can actually fight horrid rats, all that, because everything is all modified by this woman's ability to magically transform creatures to demons and to mutated shit, Cronenberg shit, basically. Mm. So, yeah, this is about Aya and um, her sister Eve somewhere, and... Um, okay, the, I think the opera singer was called Melissa, if I recall, but she was... As she has like the Parasite Eve gene inside, so basically she's gonna fuck up the entire New York within five days. So each different chapter is basically per day. So first day you go into opera with a date guy and then uh, apparently shit gone wrong. Everyone melted, like literally melted after Melissa gone gone ape shit Ooh. with the virus shit. But Aya was the only one surviving because she has the Parasite Eve gene somehow. Uh, that's it's actually explained very well, but I just really fucked it up. But, anyway, <laughs> but yeah, but but it's done very well. It's done very well. Yeah, what I liked about it is like combat is all done RPG-ish in a sense. You mm. only have limited bullets. Turn-based horror. Right? No, no, no. It's real time. Okay. So basically, you run around, you wait for your active time meter to fill up, and then you attack. So it's Final Fantasy ATB style, but you have limited bullets. So you kind of have to make sure you have bullets and your mini attack is strong enough to kill off rats and, and don't giant miss. flying motherfuckers coming out from dudes' heads and <laughs> evil demonic horse, uh, stage horse, horse carriage shit. You know, like they have in New York. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was a cool fight scene involving you on the stagecoach fighting against a flying Melissa. It's actually one of the forms, yeah, because you're flying around with the opera music. She has forms. Yeah, she has forms, yeah. So it's like basically an RPG, yes. Mm. So yeah, she's flying around and you got that really cool techno slash opera music playing. It's a really good hybrid, you know? It's like that. It's like Matrix 2 kind of songs. More like. um, Fifth Element. More like the Fifth Element, except good. (laughs) So yeah, it's really, really awesome. Like that fight, and then you have to manage your active time battle system and all that. So make sure you actually get a lot of hits in and try to avoid the shit that she throws at you. Mm. And yeah, I like... One thing that got to me was not just the graphics and the tense gameplay, but it's also the soundtrack. Yoko Shimomura did all that. She was the old school composer from Street Fighter 2. 
She went to Square Enix. She worked a shitload there. She's the one who did the girl theme, right? Yes. And uh, <laughs> basically most of the themes, yeah. Shout and outs to her for creating one of the best comeback songs ever. Yes, yes. And also Kingdom Hearts music. But before all that jazz... Parasite Eve. Parasite Eve. Humble was, beginnings. Like, it was like very creepy yet techno-ish kind of shit. You know, it was really, really awesome. This came out in which era? This was uh, PlayStation yeah. era. The PlayStation very first PlayStation, one. yes. Any sequels after that? Uh, yeah, there was a part two, but... Parasite Eve 2 was actually more of a Resident Evil copy than uh, Part 1. See, Part 1 was unique because it had the active time RPG battle system and the weapons mod and the fact that your character... Again, you have to scrounge up important items, all that, like a Resident Evil game, but it's done in an RPG format. So the fact that they're trying something new with this, this was the Brave Square Enix at the time, before they turned to shit now. But a Okay, okay not complete shit, but... This was a time when they were really experimenting with Ur guys or experimenting with uh, that shooter game, Einhander. Mm. This Parasite Eve, holy shit, I will never forget the melting faces, the <laughs> music, and the fact that Aya Rhea is a badass chick, you know? Okay. I mean, throughout the entire game, she only cares about keeping the world safe, finding her goddamn sister in some Chrysalis Tower bullshit, and... Just becoming an overall badass, you know? So, I mean, this only had one sequel, part one, part two. Uh, that was uh, part two and the third birthday. See, the thing is, third birthday, you're actually playing her sister. Oh. Yeah, and then part two, you're playing as Aya. And I'm not sure what the hell happened to her sister. But uh, she met her husband at the time. Mm. And then her husband sort of appeared in part three. And then, you know, some body... How do you say? Like, uh, some possession bullshit that happened in part three. It was a good game for the first two, three stages, and then it just got batshit hard unnecessarily. Mm. And the story just went balls out insane. Did this ever transfer to like PC or other systems? Uh, I don't remember. I don't think so, no. Because I heard a lot of good things about Parasite Eve, yeah, especially Parasite... the first one. Yeah, yeah. It was actually based off a of manga, but it deviated a lot away from the story. Which is good. I mean, it's always yeah. better to adapt. I know. This adaptation, whatever it is, it blew my mind. Like, this was actually a horror game, which I actually kind of liked, apart from Clock Tower, because, again, it's unique. It's got that whole dread thing going on. It's actually happening at Christmas, I believe, in New York. And your last fight was basically in a tanker, and then you don't actually blow out the monster. You actually have to get the fuck away, turn on the boiler thing and bomb thing and underneath the tanker, and then you get the fuck out while the, the last boss monster is chasing you down after you defeated three of its forms. Man. It's, yeah. it's a lot of convoluted bullshit I'm saying but it's easier when you digest it and play it mm. but yeah it's a really great experience dude if you can find Parasite Eve now play it in its form man I think I can probably find a copy and put it on my old PS2 that, still, that shit still runs on my house oh, <laughs> cool cool so okay highly recommended I should go and find this game uh, yeah I'm not sure how well it aged but I'll also go back to it nah I think I can look at it with nostalgic eyes and think about how it probably made a difference back in the it day. actually thought you that yes you can actually make a resource management uh, gameplay mechanic viable in an RPG I mean they did it with Sweet Home so this mm. actually did the same thing in a sense Except with one girl instead of like four guys. So, we've talked about all the horror games we love. Oh yeah, yeah, a lot. Man, I mean, and there's even more that. Well, we're gonna like definitely. It's gonna be like a three-hour super special, but I, I, I don't think we can have any more of our fans sit through any more of our rambles. Oh man, we well, well, we really, could. We could. Yeah, I mean, yeah. maybe. No, tell you what. Save some of the good stuff for the next Halloween or the next horror game episode. But, you know, 
I also really want to touch on like how shitty horror games have become. You know, I mean, like with like the Slender games and the five the Five Nights at Freddy's. Not really shitty per se. More like it's for just, a for like a the, short attention span generation. It's the paranormal activity of what horror games should be. Exactly. Yes, it's not. They're for just us. churning it out, man. Yeah, they're doing it off of the dread. They just want cheap jump scares. Man, I really want to see another Dead Space. I really want to see another. I mean, even I, I want another Parasite Eve, a proper one, or you know, a Clock like, Tower. So, which one would you rather have, a Clock Tower, a Parasite Eve, or would you rather have? Another? Oh, you're putting me in a spot, man. Um, you know what I want? I want to have another Bioshock where it's actually scary. Okay, <laughs> I, I, I want. Okay, okay. Here's what I want. I want a Clock Tower game with Yoko Shimomura doing the music. Oh, so wow. at least I can have my Props. Parasite Eve fix mm, because that's... her compositions, dude, they're like, they're not jump scares scary you know like very high pitch stuff but it's more like it slowly seeps in and then there's some new ones they keep things eerie yeah eerie but at the same time new age in a sense i don't know how the hell to describe it but it's very trance like you know very mesmerizing well so we've clocked in a good one and a half hours here maybe more on this podcast oh yeah we should be we should be wrapping it up really soon yeah so tell you what uh for the guys out there listening to us, is hey, there any games that you want us to talk about or you recommend us to play? I mean, this is just a very small segment into the giant, you know, genre of the horror. Yeah, game we genre. take requests like anything scary. Or Let anything us know, goofy. You know, that's share the knowledge definitely. Yeah. So, but okay, this has been a lovely, lovely trip down memory lane and back through the, the genre of the horror game. Okay. Uh, want to wrap this up here? Oh yeah, totally. All right, this is Mr. Tafi, and this is Shafiq. We are signing off.